Our scripture this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for the one who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We no longer know him that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have, become, have come into being. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, take what it is I say and um, turn it into something beautiful for us, for our hearts, and for the world. May your word go forth and accomplish what you desire. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, I'm going to tell you a brief story. We had a bug attack on Wednesday, a youth group. Um, It was two kinds of bugs, hornets and wasps. Yeah, so we were in 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 the dangerous wilds of the Hopkins backyard, uh, the boys were running around playing hide and seek, and one of them comes in, and he is beside himself. He is not well. Uh, he's going back and forth, racing around. Something is definitely wrong. Mom comes to help him. Sure enough, he's got some wasps in his shirt, and he brought them in with him. And so then we had about seven or eight wasps in the house. And so uh, Miles and I embarked on a... Um, a battle, a, a campaign to destroy them. And, uh, and so we know we had at least seven or eight because that's how many we killed with the fly swatters. Meanwhile, they stung at least half of our company. And, um, and, and the boy who ran in initially was the worst. Um, um, but we made it through. We made it through. Everybody is okay. No allergic reactions, no anaphylactic shock. Um, and we're all okay. So that happened. And then after it was the story about it. You know, you know, the difference between the event and then the telling, we probably spent at least as much time talking about it. And the story began to do some interesting things. It started to go different directions. Um, Later, I got a text from one of the parents about how, uh, because he wasn't there, he was talking to his son about it, and he said, so I heard there was blood everywhere. <laughs> nope, no, 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 
Well, someone was stung six times. No, no. So sometimes this happens with the event. I mean, the, 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 the conversation went everywhere. You know, I mean, we, we got into um, wasp anatomy versus bee anatomy. Um, we, we, we got into, um, you know, speculation about where, where it could have been and who could have disrupted the wasps and how that could have happened and, and the mechanics, you know, the mechanics of the whole thing. We got into all that kind of stuff. Um, and, th- and that's just what happens. When you have an event, uh, the story goes different places depending on who's telling and why and all that kind of stuff. In our, in our series on the Apostles' Creed, we, we, we come to the point where we talk about the event, the story. And that's this Sunday where we talk about the story that's at the center of everything. This is the story of Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, was buried. And that's it. That's, that's the central story. And what's fascinating about this story is the way that story has been taken in a lot of different ways over the last two millennia. If we're not careful, if we focus more on the way the story has gone versus the story itself, we could get ourselves into trouble. And that's the beauty of the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed doesn't give us a theory. It doesn't even give us a doctrine. It doesn't say reconciliation. It doesn't say redemption. All good words, all right things. It just tells us the story itself. The category of what we're talking about is this category called atonement. And atonement is very interesting. Atonement is fascinating because mostly what we have are called atonement theories. Um, you know, in the early church, they worked really hard to nail out what the Trinity was. And so we have a doctrine of the Trinity. They worked really hard to figure out what the incarnation was all about. Fully God, fully man, that kind of thing. So we have a doctrine of the incarnation. They did not work that hard on atonement. Did they believe on it? Absolutely. Did they believe it? Yes, absolutely. Did they talk about it? Yes. Did they come up with a nice, tight, tidy doctrine of atonement? No. No, in fact, the one that is most common today wasn't developed until the 12th century by a guy named Anselm. And today we talk more about theories of atonement instead of the doctrine of atonement. We're still talking about that original story. Just like we'll be talking about the wasp attack for a really long time, I think. So, yeah, what? Clouds. Clouds. Swarms. Swarms of them. Yeah, see, you're not helping, Dave. <laughs> you are not helping. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it became apocalyptic. That's eventually where we're going to get to with this whole thing. Um, I, I'm in favor of atonement theories. Atonement helps us to figure out what happened in that event. Um, we have to talk about it. But there are a few problems with, with the stories we tell about what happened when Jesus died on the cross. And I just want to mention a few of them. Um, The first problem is that atonement theories are incomplete. The story we tell about the event usually leaves something out. My my favorite story about this is is, um, the one told by Billy Graham himself. Uh, So this was, um, you all know, have you heard of Billy Graham, this guy? So uh, Billy Billy Graham, uh, very popular. Um, Lots of people 
came to faith in Jesus Christ through Billy Graham. He traveled all over the world. And he, um, at one point in 1985, he was invited to go to Russia. Um, was this around your time? Did you, or you, you were 93. Okay. So after the, so the, yeah, so this is before 1989. This is before the Iron Curtain fell. But he was invited to go. And because they were like a little nervous about Billy, they teamed him up with a Russian Orthodox um, New Testament scholar to travel around with him. And Graham tells the story that he and this New Testament scholar became pals as they traveled all around Russia preaching the gospel. And one day they became comfortable enough where this New Testament scholar, and I, I wish I had his name, but I don't, um, but I did hear this from Billy Graham, and I, a recording of Billy Graham telling the story. Um, they became friends, and one day he felt comfortable enough with Graham to say, um, can I give you my honest opinion on your preaching? And, of course, he says, sure, absolutely, you know, just have at it. And he says, you, you talk a lot about sin, which is good, and you talk a lot about the need for salvation, which is good, um, but your preaching doesn't need the resurrection, you could, you could talk, you could talk and, and people could get saved and they could never hear about the resurrection because Jesus died for their sins and that's what all you preach. And to Billy Graham's great credit, he said he was right. He said, I have been leaving out the resurrection. And he said from then on, he tried to incorporate it more. I was really impressed. I mean, I'm impressed with Billy Graham's humility. But I also think that guy was right. I, the, the atonement theory that Billy Graham's working with is, is an important one. It's one that we should hold on to, and it has lots of biblical evidence to it. But it's not the whole story. It's not the whole story. So that's one thing that sometimes atonement theories do, is they just leave something out. Here's another thing they do. Sometimes they give us a different story than the story of Jesus dying on the cross. So... Very famously, John Milton wrote a story called Paradise Lost. And John Milton describes this event before the crucifixion where, where God the Father is in heaven and he's wearing his big crown and he's looking down and he's sort of stroking his long monarchical beard and figuring out what is he going to do with these humans and their sin? What, what trouble they have caused? What difficulty? And he says, I, I'm not sure what to do. And so he looks over and he sees the sun and he says, son, could you go down there and, and solve this problem for humanity? And the son says, yes, father, I will do it. And the son goes down and dies for humanity. And it's a wonderful story, but it's not the story we're given. It's a different story. That's not the one we're told. Another example is um, one where Satan is like a, like a, like a massive dragon. And, and Satan has all of humanity in its clutches and will not let us go and so that we all go down to death. And so God says, I will make you a trade, Satan. I will trade you my son for all of humanity. And so he gives the son and in exchange as a ransom, he takes all of humanity and then the sun as a dragon or the Satan as a dragon swallows the sun, but then he gets a stomach ache because the sun cannot die. And he throws up the sun 
and, and the sun comes up in the resurrection. That is a wonderful story, but it's not in the Bible. It's just not. And so that's what we do is we, we, there's something about the story itself that, that we just need a story behind the story. And, but that is not what atonement is. That's not what's happening. And I like these stories. I think it's fine to tell these stories. I'm not even against the stories. I'm just saying the stories are not the real story. And we have to stick with the real story. All right, last, last sort of complaint about atonement. And I'll, I'll try not to um, belabor this too long. Um, at the end of the day, we're not here to get our theories right. That's not, that's not what we're doing at church, is to get all of our theories right. We're here to trust. We're here to believe. We're here to stake our life on something. And to fashion our life in a, in a shape. And, and at the end of the day, you can't put your trust in a theory. You can't, you, and, and when I say trust, I mean stake your entire life on a theory. That's not what we're doing here. We're trusting in a person and in an event that happened in history. And the event is this, that Mary's son suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. My goal this morning is to help us focus again on the event, not theories about it, but the event itself, so that we can do that. We can trust and stake our lives on that. So how do we do that? Well, again, in the Apostles' Creed, what we get is the event, not not a special action, not a word, a doctrine, or something like that. We get something... um, We get something that is extremely tragic and also common, but something that is deeply familiar. What I mean by that is, is, you know, the cross is so popular in Christianity. Catholic, Pentecostal, Baptist, with a B, uh, two Bs. uh, No matter who you are, the cross is so central to Christianity. And I think the reason the cross is so central because people see it and they see, yep, that's what life is like. Just yesterday, I got a text of a tragedy. Um, a friend of ours, their friends lost their son in a car accident. Uh, like unspeakable tragedy. And the longer you live, the more you say, yeah, life is like that. One theologian says it's one darn thing after another, except he didn't say darn. Um, it's, it, it, the reality, when we, when we see suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried, we see something that just seems really familiar. Life is tough. Life is full of tragedy. Life is difficult. Life is contingent. We're lucky to get out of it alive, but we don't. None of us do. So there's something, there's something that we already get about it. We don't need a theory for that. We already know life is like that when we see that in the Apostles' Creed. Um, the second thing I want to mention is that uh, the reason the early church doesn't nail down a theory for the atonement um, is because that's how they lived. When they saw suffered, crucified, died, buried... For the first 300 years, that's what was happening to early Christians. It was happening all the time. You don't need a theory for that. That's, that's the way life is. 
after Christianity becomes the state religion in the late 300s under Constantine, then there starts to be a disjoint. You start to see, well, that's what Jesus's life was like, but we're like sitting pretty. Life is good. So what's my connection to this Jesus who is crucified by state powers? I mean, the word is executed, right? Crucifixion is not a religious term. It's the same word as execution. We're not, we're not talking about a religious event. We're talking about an actual event in human history. People are executed. Um, they see that, and then they see the situation they're in, and they're like, wow, this doesn't line up. And so then they need a theory to try to figure out how to connect with that once again. Well, things are changing again. The way it was when Christianity was made the state religion by Constantine, that lasted for several hundred years. And right around, I mean, a lot of people mark it at different times. You could say maybe in the 50s of the last century. Um, Some people are saying it was the death of Queen Elizabeth. Who knows? But somewhere around this time, um, that's over. That time is over. That time that was started with Constantine, it's over. You know, Christianity is no longer in the air that we breathe. It's now a different situation, and now it's a situation of what do we do about it. I've said that this is a story we can trust in, that we can set our lives in. So how do we do that? How do we stake our life on a story like this of, of, a, of a Jewish tradesman who is executed by Roman imperial power. How do we do that? I like a distinction that one theologian, his name is um, T.F. Torrance, says. He says, we're not here to comprehend everything that's going on, but we are here to apprehend. And I really like that, because sometimes we get caught up in what I call the mechanics of of what goes on. Well, how exactly does Jesus' death save me? You know, what exactly is going on there? Why, why couldn't he have, you know, run a marathon to save me? Or why couldn't he have, um, you know, done feats of strength like Hercules or whatever? You know, why, why did he have to be crucified? So we, we get sort of caught up in the, in the mechanics of it. But, but this is an event that happened. This is the way it went down. And in a world like ours it seems about right that somebody who lived entirely for love was attacked and killed because of the way this world is. This world does not like love. This world does not like people who don't protect themselves. This world goes after them with a surgical strike. That sort of fits. That sort of makes sense. How all the mechanics work, I don't know. So we don't comprehend it, but we do apprehend it. I hope that's helpful. It is for me anyway. We behold it. We look at it. I mean, we have four Gospels for a reason. They're not there to explain the mechanics. They're there to make sure we get the story right. Um, It's why this congregation, every Good Friday, we sit down, we read the Passion story without comment. We go right outside there. We have a fire. We sit outside of the church. Nothing to interpret it for us. We're just outside in front of a fire. We read the Passion. Leave it at that. We must behold the story. We must stand in front of the story. No one should be between us and the story, including me. You shouldn't have your pastor between you and that story. It should just be you and what happened to Jesus. That's what's crucial. 
Yes, the story is that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was executed, died, and was buried. We also need to look at the rest of what happened. Notoriously, the Apostles' Creed leaves out a lot of Jesus' life. You know, it leaves out his miracles, it leaves out his teaching. But in, but in a way, him suffering under Pontius Pilate is just sort of typifying everything else. Because that's what his life was like. It was, it was a lot of suffering. What did he do? He was the son of Mary. He was a Jew from Galilee, a tradesman. His name was Jesus. He was faithful to the Jewish law. He's a Jew. He's still a Jew today. He gathered an unlikely community of prostitutes and landowners, tax collectors and tradespeople, revolutionaries and pious religious types. And he called himself God's own son. He was a threat to all kinds of power, a threat to Jewish authorities who were exploiting the people and a threat to Rome. They all got together and they didn't normally do this. It was a bipartisan effort. They all got together to kill him, to humiliate him. The cross wasn't mainly about pain. The cross was mainly about shame. This was an honor society. Honor mattered most. You know, if you died without honor, that was the worst thing anyone could imagine. And the cross was there to shame you. And Jesus endured all of that shame. He was humiliated. He was made an example of, and it was meant to terrorize his followers so that they would disband and disperse. And it's precisely because they succeeded in all of that, that they failed. Again, it's precisely because they did everything they set out to do. All the, the Roman authorities, Pontius Pilate, the Jewish exploiters, everybody. It's precisely because they did their worst to Jesus and they succeeded that they failed. The worst that we can imagine happening to someone, Jesus, that worst we now realize is not too terrible for God. The worst that you can imagine happening is not the worst that can happen because it's happened to Jesus and he was raised from the dead. As Paul says, he didn't just touch the tragedy and sin at the heart of life. He became it. He became sin. He drank it down to the dregs. That is what we are meant to behold. And it is a great mystery. So first we apprehend that. And then the second part is that we participate in it. That's the second thing we do. What does it mean to participate in the story? Uh, it means not to sit back and theorize about it. It means not to sit back and say, I wonder which theory I like, and then I'm going to choose my church based on that. And then I'm going to fight with other people because they have the wrong theory. It does not mean that. It means we join into it. It means we join into it. We rehearse it during Holy Week every year. We rehearse it on Sundays every time we drink the cup and um, eat the bread. But it also means that we live this story. When Jesus says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me, he doesn't mean, um, he, 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 he doesn't, what he, mean, what he means is that I want you to take the cross, which is, of course, this horrifying symbol, this symbol that struck fear in the heart of everybody. He says, I want you to take it up like a hammer. I want you to take it up like a paintbrush. I want you to take it up like a pen or a laptop or whatever. I want you to take it up as a tool to love in this world. 
take the worst that can happen and use it as a tool to bring love into the world, to bring my love into the world. As Paul says, urge others not to live for themselves, but to live for the one who died for them, to live for God, which leads to life. This event that we read in the Apostles' Creed, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. This is something we behold, and this is something that becomes a script that we follow that says this is what love looks like in the world. There's been a senseless death, a tragedy, a humiliation, but that has been swallowed up in victory. It has shown us what love looks like, and it has shown us that love is stronger than death. We, as a community, let us be the kind of people who, when people look at us, they want to make theories about us. They want to speculate about us. They want to figure out what's going on. Let us be, let us, let us live the kind of way that we tell a story as interesting as a wasp attack to where people will long be making things up. But at the end of the day, we are a living mystery. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we get to behold Jesus's life, his suffering and his death. Lord, we thank you that it is for us, for our salvation, for the whole world. Lord, may we behold it our whole lives and change and become more like your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.